0: Hi, and welcome to Listen Up, A-Holes, the only Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that is born, will live, and will die, give or take 5,000 years. I'm Joshua Unruh, superhero scholar from Pulp Diction Productions.
1: And I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. Together, we are working our way through the good, the bad, and the bonkers of the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
0: So listen up, A-Holes. We're going to talk about Thor The Dark World. So, Lonnie, I really love the villain from this movie. Yeah? Mostly because of comic books. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, the movie's fine. We'll get all into uh-huh. it. You know, I uh, all my feelings about this movie compared to the first one and all that stuff. But Malekith is really pretty great in the comics mm-hmm. because he's just remorseless and malevolent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> In a way that Loki sort of wasn't allowed to be anymore by the time he yeah. came along. You know, Loki mm-hmm. had kind of like sort of gone big league by that point. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. when you needed people to just show up and want to burn everything down, or in the case of Malekith, freeze everything, you sure. know, uh he was your guy. He was good. Okay. Um I will say that an issue between the MCU and the Marvel 616 is that the mm-hmm. 616 cannot decide... If the Asgardians in their nine realms are like space aliens or dimensional intruders or actual Norse gods or some <laughs> horrible hodgepodge of the three. They sure. aren't sure, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the MCU has gone hard for space aliens. And truth be told, it simplifies a lot. Sure. And Malekith is a case in point. Mhm. Uh, a little background for him. He was introduced... Out of nowhere and apropos of nothing in Thor number 344 <laughs> in June of 1984.
1: Wow. So he's like a baby villain. He yes. Just, in comparison I mean, to a lot standards. of standards.
0: Yeah. Yes. In comparison <laughs> to a lot of our Dawn of the Marvel Universe villains that right. we've had up till mm-hmm. now, Malekith is a recent addition. Mm-hmm. But that's not really that shocking. He was introduced by a writer artist genius. I'll just say mm-hmm. it. Named okay. Walt Simonson. And mm-hmm. until some relatively recent massive shakeups for Thor in recent years, mm-hmm. it was pretty inarguable that Simonson had added the most to the scope and grandeur of Thor since Kirby.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, he
0: really blew the doors off. Um, uh-huh. Malekith is an example of that. The Cask of Ancient Winners that has showed up mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, you know, yeah. in... Um, in the MCU is one mm-hmm. of his. Uh, Surtur, who we will eventually see in Ragnarok, was actually mm-hmm. a cosmic level threat. Wow. In the comics. And Simonson's responsible for that. The fan service scene that we'll talk about in Ragnarok of Executioner with his M16s, also mm-hmm. Simonson. Only okay. had weight and need then. You know, <laughs> it, sure. was good, it was good. Better. Um, yeah. So he really does... So Malekith really does spring just fully formed out of nowhere. He's on the hunt okay. for the mm-hmm. cask of ancient Winners. He's making deals with Loki and with Surtur to destroy everything and more or less rule whatever's left. Mm-hmm. And this is where I say the confusion about what exactly the Marvel Asgardians are. Sure. Comes up.
1: Mm-hmm. Way later,
0: decades later, Malekith is given an origin story.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I don't love it. It's fine. It kind of smells to me like the usual need for late stage superhero comics to explain every single little thing.
1: Right.
0: But bear with Malekith (laughs) is a dark elf. Okay. But in the much more Tolkien sense, I guess.
1: I was going to say, I'm smelling a lot of Tolkien in this. This feels very heavily influenced by Lord of the Rings.
0: The the movie for sure. The comic yes. book is sort of just this like we're not sure what it is, so we'll just call them dark elves, and if they're mm-hmm. if they're space aliens that carry swords, whatever you know. Right. <laughs> so he has twelve older brothers, all of whom died in a war with trolls.
1: Okay.
0: I mean, again, they can't decide if it's space opera or high fantasy.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: His mother, in desperation, sells him into slavery for two sacks of snake livers and half oh, no. a barrel of pickled toads.
1: <laughs> Wait, are you are you making that up or are those like legit specific pulls from the actual story?
0: Oh, yes, that is a thing right from the story. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love the specificity of it. I mean, the writers out there, I got to tell you, it's exactly that kind of specificity <laughs> that pays but, off in writing.
0: But again... It just sounds very fantasy story, right?
1: Yeah, no, it does. Um, it does. Mm-hmm. And and
0: again, it's fine. It doesn't matter. It's like th- they just they just can't decide. And and it just right. goes on and with the, because he becomes a cremator of the bodies of his mm-hmm. dead brethren and then he gets captured by oh the trolls God. and is a slave and he meets a wizard and he becomes the wizard's <laughs> apprentice while in captivity. Wow. And, and here's where a little bit of tragedy that I actually like comes from. Because, again, Malekith just showed up wanting to freeze the universe.
1: Right, right. Because he mm-hmm.
0: was awful. Um, mm-hmm. Which is fine. I, I mean, I think sometimes that's okay. When you've got Loki mm-hmm. running around and Surter running around and uh, we are just a few tiny handful of issues away from introducing terrifying horse monsters that will be able to pick up Thor's <laughs> hammer. You know, <laughs> you want to simplify a little bit. Right. But he he murders the wizard – because the mm-hmm. wizard wants to team up with Malekith to end this never ending war between the dark elves and the trolls.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Malekith felt that all of his suffering would be needless without this war.
1: Oh, right. Like okay. undoing
0: the war would undo the
1: meaning in his life, yeah. the
0: purpose that brought him to this place.
1: Yeah. It's okay. pretty dark. Mm-hmm.
0: But considering he shows up as kind of like a grinning nihilist.
1: Right. Okay. No. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's
0: pretty much Malekith. Uh, as you <laughs> can tell, almost none of that makes it into the movie. It's basically his name.
1: Yes, essentially, it's his name, and the and the dark elf thing, and right. you know. Right. But I mean, yeah. Aside from that, uh, he's, now he's he's the the scarred face
0: is also a <laughs> thing. He just showed up with in the comics. He has a black side of his face. Um, it's not really drawn as scars it's really just like he has blue skin like a dark elf on one side and it's pitch black on the other with an eye and a mouth you know
1: right Um, Mm -hmm.
0: this uh this backstory with the wizard it's uh shows that the wizard's final act like trying to fight him off is what scarred him you know
1: oh but in this movie isn't that when thor hits him with the lightning after he kills
0: yes yeah.
1: Okay, all right.
0: So so if anybody, any fanboy sat down and they were like, this can't be Malekith, he's got a whole face. It's like, just wait a minute, act two is coming.
1: Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, so, right. yeah.
0: <laughs> Now his right-hand man in the movie is Algrim. Uh-huh. In the comics, he's Algrim the Strong. And he is just this ridiculously powerful member of the Dark Elf Nation. Just mm-hmm way over the top, physically powerful. And mm-hmm. Malekith asks Algrim to fight and defeat Thor. And then when they are in the midst of that fight, Malekith double crosses Algrim <laughs> in hopes that it will kill both Thor, his hated enemy and Algrim, his possible rival <laughs> for leadership okay. of the dark elves. They fall into lava. It's not a really well thought out plan. Cause Thor's just like, Oh, you're going to drop me into a pit. I fly. Right. (laughs) It's a little more robust than that, but not much, you know. Sure. Uh, Algrim Uh falls into the lava and survives barely, Mm -hmm. but forgets who he is and what he was doing and eventually is recreated by the Beyonder into Curse during Secret Wars 2. Okay. Now, Curse, that's Curse with a K, so you'll note from the movies that they mentioned these unstoppable warriors that are going to burn themselves out eventually are the Accursed. You know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes Malekith is the accursed. It's a little confusing, but, you know, okay. <laughs> uh, so the Algrim in the movie is the one who gets snuck into. Well, well, is he the has one the who stone. allows he himself the to be stone
1: caught in his gut. Right? Yes. He, yes. Yeah. And
0: that's, so that's, that's pretty
1: badass. I it mean, is. <laughs>
0: it's really badass. And I really like how they adapted that part of his story from the comics into the movie like they made it uh-huh. part of the dark elves, just implacable nihilistic need to win, <laughs> right. you know, uh, is pretty great. And that they only mm-hmm. had one of these stones left after their defeat by boar and he gets to become yeah. cursed. It makes a lot more sense than what happened in Secret Wars 2, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> which is basically the Beyonder was like, yeah, so curse. Sure. I mean, a lot of a lot of stuff happened in Secret Wars 2 that was just because Secret Wars 2 needed it to happen. Let me right. tell you a little about it. <laughs> Before I can tell you about Secret Wars 2, I have to tell you a little bit about Secret Wars.
1: Okay, sure.
0: Secret Wars was Marvel's bid to sell toys in a deal with Kenner, <laughs> where the name for the toys and the story was decided by a focus group that discovered boys really like toys with the words Secret and War in their titles.
1: Oh, God, that is so, that is such a disappointing story.
0: <laughs> I mean, kinda, except that the first Secret War you know, that was there to sell the toys Mm -hmm. is kind of historic because it's the first ever mega crossover event.
1: Wow. In superhero
0: comics. Like the, you know, we talked about, we've had team ups before, but this was like the everybody in for everything, you know?
1: Wow. Okay. And, and
0: it actually is pretty good considering Mm -hmm. that it was just there to sell toys. Right. Uh, And I think that's because, as far as Kenner was concerned, it was just there to sell toys, but you handed this to a bunch of writers who make up crazy stuff all day.
1: Yeah. You know. Mm
0: -hmm. So uh, the basic concept of Secret Wars is that an incredibly powerful being called the Beyonder comes from his universe to the regular 616 universe, Mm -hmm. and then for reasons... Decides to steal all the heroes and villains away to Battle World so they can have a fight with one another. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Not unlike a kid with all the toys might do.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's. I mean, this. I really sympathize. I love this, actually. This is what happens when you hand this kind of edict to very creative people. Sure. And they're like, all right. I mean, if that's the story, that's the story. And they make it the story. (laughs) Right.
1: Well, yeah, it's like a writing prompt. You know, sometimes limitations can actually release the most creativity. If you give somebody, if you say to somebody, you know, write me a short story, they're going to sit and freeze and God only knows what they'll come up with. But if you say, write me a short story about a secret war, <laughs> and bring everybody into it, give them some limitations, give them like a, a place to start with, and, then that can actually really inspire fantastic creativity.
0: And I, I really firmly believe that's what happened with Secret yeah. War. Mm -hmm. Now, Secret Wars 2 was, hey, that last one worked pretty good. We should try that again. (laughs) And it was not as good. It did Uh... not turn out. Um, The Beyonder is back and sometimes he's human and Spider-Man teaches him how to use the bathroom because he really doesn't know Mm -hmm. because he's never been a person before. And then... (laughs) They all wind up in a fight again, and it's it's really, it is a diminishing return. But we got right.
1: Curse out of it,
0: who turns out pretty cool in this movie 20 all years right. later, okay. so cool. Sure, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the Aether. Sure. The Aether is the reality stone of the Infinity Stones, mm-hmm. and that is actually more thinking about it than the writers of this movie did. So we can wait all right. and talk more about it when we get to Infinity War. Sure. <laughs> I mean, really... That's another one of those writing prompt things where it was like, uh, I don't know, make it red and make sure you make mention that it might be a stone sometime.
1: Right. You well, I, I actually I kind of like it, though. I mean, I like the ether like as a concept. It's kind of cool. And I like that it coalesces into a stone that it's shape shifting because it's it's the reality stone. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it shape shifts reality. So the fact that it in its own form actually shape shifts is kind of an interesting idea.
0: No, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm I'm being snarky because it really does feel like nobody had done more thinking about their meta story than Thanos, oh, sure. Infinity Stones. Make mm-hmm. sure you mention those as you go. Just you get know? it
1: in there. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we get a little bit of pre-Odin backstory.
1: Yes, we do. In the movie. Mm-hmm. We
0: mention his father, Bor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Bor... Bor Burison is an Asgardian in the Marvel Six One Six universe. Also, wait, he no, was I'm sorry, I got by... to
1: put my hand up. I got to put my hand up. Yes, Bor Burison. Yeah. So he's... Odin's last, the family name for Thor is Burison.
0: No, 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 no. That, no, how no. that works. <laughs> no, you'll note that Thor is Odinson.
1: Odinson. Okay. All right. Okay.
0: Uh so Odin. If anybody called him anything other than Allfather, would be Odin Borson. Borson. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, all right. Yeah. I forgot yeah. how that works. You're,
0: you're into this area where it's like I don't know—is it Norse mythology? Sorta. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you know, you're you're yeah. into that space. Yeah. He is introduced to the Marvel Comics by Stan and Jack, Stanley mm-hmm. and Jack Kirby. He first appeared in 1963 in Journey into Mystery number 97. Mm-hmm. Now. Since then, he showed up a few more times. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be honest with you and the a-holes right now. I have only read about half of this stuff. Okay. But I basically borrowed this description mostly from Wikipedia because while I have only read half of it, it is all so crazy that I knew you would all want to know about it.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: So I can. So if you have have questions afterwards, and I say that's the part I didn't read, don't hold it against me. We'll okay, get to all it, right. You know, all right. <laughs> Bor, son of Buri, became the ruler of Asgard, where under his rule he created the universe.
1: Oh, but wasn't Asgard part of the universe?
0: What do, you, what do you want from me?
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgot I'm not supposed to ask you questions. Keep going. Just no, keep it's going. fine.
0: I'm saying, the, honestly, the Norse legends that kind of got turned around and twisted are not much more specific okay. about <laughs> how this works. Like, uh, portions of the universe came from ice and, like, primordial ice and primordial fire hitting one another and becoming steam. Okay. And other parts of the universe came into existence because a primordial cow licked them into the existence from a salt lick. (laughs) So I feel like Stan and Jack were doing the best they could. Sure,
1: sure. With the source material. Right.
0: (laughs) So this is actually very similar to the Norse legends in that Bor eventually marries a giantess named Uh Bestla Uh and has four sons. In the original Norse, it's only three, but here she he has four: mm-hmm. Kul, Vili, Ve, and Odin. Mm-hmm. Out of all his sons, Bor liked Odin the best. Mm-hmm. He groomed Odin to become his the next king.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, however, Bor was angered by Odin's choice to make humans.
1: Oh, okay. Uh huh.
0: Yeah, and Bor was never able to reverse Odin's choice to make people, so they kind of <laughs> had a falling out over that.
1: Alright, so Odin but, is then kind of like our god then? Cause he created did he create Earth and created humans? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, in the
0: six No, it's beautiful. Okay. <laughs> Are you asking in the six one six or in Norse Legends?
1: I, I I think either or both. Okay.
0: <laughs> Because we are going to talk a little bit about Norse legends at the end of this, even though it's not sure. technically comic book history, because they kind of, like, throw some stuff at you in this movie as, like, background,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. you know,
0: stuff. So, so it's not completely out of left field that you would ask. <laughs> <sighs> so as far as Norse myth is concerned, Odin did not make humans on purpose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he murdered... Mm -hmm. The primordial giant from which a lot of other primordial things were born. Mm -hmm. Like the frost giants come from his sweat and just Mm -hmm. all kinds of things. Just know a lot of stuff just was birthed from Ymir. Um, Odin fights and kills Ymir. Uh There is a flood of his blood, which mixes with his tears, I believe. Uh There's also, these are not always super consistent so uh-huh. i may be pulling from more than one source but the blood and the tears mix and there are humans and so now odin's like well i got to make some place for them to live and he makes midgard out of ymir's bits
1: oh okay
0: yeah so so from ymir's blood they make seas and lakes from his actual like flesh they make the earth from his hair the trees from his bones the mountains mm-hmm. um Rocks and pebbles were like his teeth and jaws and the broken bones because mm-hmm. there was a fight. And then his skull is the domed sky over oh, Midgard. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So Odin creates humans kind of incidentally and then <laughs> makes them a place to live. And by this time, Boar's not even around.
1: Okay.
0: So he's just not there mm-hmm. and doesn't really care about humans one way or the other. I feel like this is. Stan and Jack kind of pulling from classical mythology also because there is some Greek myths that suggest Zeus wasn't overjoyed about humanity, right, you know? (laughs) So I think they're they're playing a little bit of mix and match there. Okay,
1: all right. Mm -hmm. So
0: in the Marvel 616, because we want to make Odin at least sort of benevolent Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: frightening, he is the one who, in opposition to his father, creates humanity and they have a falling out about it, but it doesn't stop Bor from choosing Odin to be his heir.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So the thing that led to Odin taking over the throne is that Bor and Odin went to war with a bunch of frost giants. Mm-hmm. Bor fought against one particular giant who turned out to be a time-traveling Loki in disguise. Ooh. Who killed his adoptive grandfather. Okay. To make sure that the events happened that would lead to Loki being Loki.
1: Oh, uh, but if they already happened why did he have to time Bonnie. travel is that a whole i'm sorry are there some no. questions i shouldn't ask because it just opens up a whole can of worms
0: no i'm a, par, that is part of the stuff that i have not read
1: all right all right all right so that's I, just like other, i've only okay. read
0: bits and parts now all of this is super available to me yes you know mm-hmm. um that's part so that, I, of that i that yeah. i yeah, have, yes. And and some of it I read years ago in collections mm-hmm. that I don't have anymore. You know how sure. this, uh, I didn't know that I would need to re- them as reference books. Eventually.
1: Someday, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> now... In addition to that move, Loki would also impersonate Boar's ghost in order to get Odin to defeat Lafe and adopt the boy that would become Loki. So Loki oh, wow. has basically been making sure that he's been happening <laughs> right. the whole time. Loki is a tautology. Yes. You know. <laughs> Loki has also resurrected Bohr in the modern day, but affected his mind so that all he would see was monsters. Oh, jeez. And this was, yeah, Loki's a bastard. Like, I mean, you've seen a bunch of MCU Loki. I don't know why you're surprised, but really, not a good guy.
1: No, but I love him, though. Oh, <laughs> like, sure. I get is, it. He is, he is really a bad guy, but I keep loving him, and I keep wanting him to get better. And he, he just shouldn't get better because he's a trickster god. But, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, yes and no, because, again, I'm going to direct you and our listeners to Loki, Agent of Asgard.
1: Yeah, uh-huh.
0: And also an appearance of Loki as a child in the amazing Young Avengers
1: wow. series of stories. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's
0: he's reborn as a child, and so there's all these, like, teenage superheroes, and he's, like, 10 and running oh. around with them and is still kind of a bastard, but is <laughs> – you know, 10 years old and getting away with things. It's pretty great. And then that leads into Agent of Asgard where he does become, I would say, a better version of himself. Okay. You
1: know. All right. Yeah. But
0: at this time, he's resurrecting his adoptive grandfather who he murdered back in the past in yeah. order to let make him see monsters and fight Thor.
1: Oh, God.
0: Bor is then killed by Thor who oh. only finds out after the fact...
1: Oh, my God. That he's
0: murdered his grandfather.
1: Oh, God.
0: Loki's the guy that tells him.
1: Of course. So, you
0: know. <laughs> Hela later brings Bor back to life in order to lift Mjolnir. Mm-hmm. But when he was unable to do so, Hela just reduces him back to dust.
1: Oh, my God. What good are you, <laughs> and old And then man, later right? brings him back
0: to fight Thor again. Wow. Last but not least, mm-hmm. Bor once again returns. Just to stop the wedding between an Asgardian named Sigurd and a Valkyrie named Dizir, mm-hmm. which causes a whole bunch of fight between another Valkyrie, who also was a member of the X-Men Jr. team, Danielle what? Moonstar, <laughs> and Gila and Loki.
1: It's wow. crazy. It is crazy. I kind of love it.
0: Oh, no. It's, yeah. But the, it's it's one of those, like, bonkers comic book stuff that you can't get enough of. But at the same time, you're like,
1: wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When you put it all in one place, you're like, man, let the guy sleep.
1: That's exactly (laughs) this poor guy.
0: (laughs) Now, again, this is not comic book stuff. So I want to breeze past it, you know, relatively quickly. But this is where the movie kind of flirts with the Norse.
1: Sure. Sure. Stuff more, Mm
0: -hmm. which it makes sense because the dark elves Mm -hmm. are themselves part of Norse legend Mm -hmm. in a very different way. But still, Mm -hmm. you know, the name of their land is uh, Svartalfheim, which Mm -hmm. is like their planet. In mm-hmm. the MCU. Yeah. And all that means is dark elf land. That's okay. <laughs> all. Like, Svart-, Svart is just like dark, uh-huh. and Alf is elf. Like, Svartalfheim is just what it says oh, on sure, the label. like Oh, uh, sure, like,
1: what is it? Schwartz is a German for black, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All so that's kind of got that th- there same There are root languages root yeah. there. Mm-hmm. So you've got that going on. You also have Odin and his pet raven briefly. Mm hmm. And I got to give a shout out to my son. Hi, Elijah.
1: Hey, Elijah.
0: Who watched this Raven land and was like, aren't there supposed to be two?
1: <laughs> and
0: he's right.
1: Sharp eye. He's
0: lived with me for a minute, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. So the the Ravens aren't really a big deal for either the 616. They show up every now and then. Mm-hmm. And they're not a big deal in the MCU. This is kind of the really the only flirting we get with them. But mm-hmm. in the Norse Legends... One of the ways that Odin kept an eye on things is that he had two ravens that flew the length and breadth of the nine worlds for him, and their names. And boy, I am prepared to be told I'm butchering these, <laughs> but are Hugin and Munin.
1: Okay. Uh huh.
0: Which translate to thought and memory.
1: Ooh, interesting.
0: Yeah. So, so they were. You know, again, they're kind of toying with some of that Norse business. Mm-hmm. With more names and with the Ravens and with uh, Frigga's Viking
1: funeral. Yeah. No, that was beautiful.
0: Yeah. So are you familiar with like the kind of old style Viking funeral, which, by the way, may be apocryphal. I don't know how much actual historical attestation there is for this, but.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm I'm vaguely familiar with the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So they send – for those listening who may not be, they send the body out laden with treasures on one of their dragon boats, Mm -hmm. uh, which was just what they called all of them.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Um, There's a reason, but nobody listening to this cares. At me on Twitter. So they would send the person out, you know, the the corpse, the dead person out on the boat laden with treasures, and then they would fire arrows at it, like flaming arrows at it until it lit on fire, and Mm -hmm. then they would float away. On the currents Mm -hmm. as a pyre, right? Mm -hmm. And so obviously we get the super sexy sci-fi version of that with Frigga, but it is beautiful and definitely nodding at Norse or Viking mythology, history. It gets a little fuzzy, but they're nodding at
1: it. Yeah. No, that was was a really gorgeous sequence in the movie.
0: And so sad, like definitely a moment that needed you know a beautiful backdrop and everybody being sad and the big music so it's yeah. a really inspired choice mm-hmm. um that that shows whether they just went and got only a couple of books of mm-hmm. Norse mythology whatever they they went and looked for a few things that they could incorporate and yeah. you know if you're into that kind of thing i appreciate the effort
1: <laughs> yeah no that's pretty cool i like it <laughs> all right so we can go into the production details now and uh, and just kind of briefly go through this uh thor the dark world was released on november 8th 2013 uh, directed by alan taylor who like most of our marvel directors to date, immediately swiped left and just moved on (laughs) he went back to tv (laughs) and uh and has been directing game of thrones and philip k dick's electric dreams but i notice no more marvel for him now i'm not i don't know if there's a reason for that i'm just saying that we do have a pattern here (laughs) where directors come in they work with marvel for a while and they're like you know what i'm okay i'm good i'm just gonna move on um there are nine writing credits on this movie. Um, again, a handful of them are, four of them are creators of the comics and the characters and stuff like that. So those don't really, I mean, they count, you know, but they don't count as far as making the movie bad. Um, Don Payne yeah, and. they don't
0: count for your rule of thumb. They don't count for my is. rule of thumb,
1: exactly. So when I say they don't count, it's not that they don't count. It's that they don't count against <laughs> it, is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, that, yes, that's a good way to put it. They don't count against it. They it's don't not count against it.
1: Yes, those are, those are freebies. <laughs> (laughs) Um, Don Payne and Robert Reddatt have separate story by credits, so both of them separately developed a story for this movie. Uh, Christopher Yost has a screenplay credit, and then our dream team of Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely also have a screenplay credit. Now, we've seen a lot of really good quality work come out of Marcus and McFeely. This is not necessarily one of the best things to come out of Marcus and McFeely and possibly the too many cooks in the kitchen thing. Maybe why that is. Um, There's some, there's some good stuff in here and there are moments where I I feel like I can feel Marcus and McFeely in there. And there's other places where, where maybe not so much Um, Thor: the dark world um, moved super fast through development um, production and post-production. I mean, basically by Hollywood standards. Development started in April of 2011. And the story work flew through all of these writers during that time. Which means that each particular writer, I think over the course of maybe, I don't know, 15 months <laughs> they had. Uh, between wow. all these sets of writers. So this was bouncing back and forth in different hands and different screenwriters. I mean, this is insane if you actually take time to think about it. Um, principal photography for this movie ran from September 2012 to... To December 2012. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's, it's a couple of months, wow. it's, you know, but it, it feels like it should be more it feels like there should be more time to shoot a movie of this scale. Um, that is really, really fast. Um, the movie also had its premiere in October of 2013. So that's about 10 months of post production on this thing. Although certainly some post production was like, as soon as the, (laughs) the clips are, are shot, I'm sure they run and they start processing them in post production, um, and start getting some of that work done. Um, but really, you have to edit the thing first and then go into post with the fully edited thing to do all of the effects and everything. So it's just, it's insane. 10 months for that is insane. Um, and just, I gotta
0: say, the look of the thing is not where it feels rushed. No, so it's beautiful. Good job, guys. It's
1: beautiful. Visually, I got no problems with Thor The Dark World. It is gorgeous. So they really did a fantastic job with it. But damn, this was fast. Um, so just for comparison, right? The first Thor movie began development in 1991 it was way before Marvel Studios was even a twinkle in Disney's eye um, the rights to Thor bounced around Hollywood for you know 16 years or so finally got picked up by Marvel Studios in 2006 where I think this modern version of the original Thor movie had had started at that point um, it was developed until 2009 when casting began so that's three years of development and writing and all of that uh, principal photography lasted four months so not that long you know considering how long a lot of these things can last and post production window was 11 months um, and again post production can overlap a little bit with production so I mean you do get a little more time to do that but uh, but yeah it was, it was kind of crazy it was kind of a, a, an insane timeline for the dark world um, on movies like this which are so heavy on like action sequences and special effects post production is such a mammoth job um so for me to to see the quality of this work considering how much work had to be done I can't even imagine how they did it how big that team was of course you do see the the you know credits on Marvel movies are you know 25 minutes for a reason like they have a lot of people working on these things but it's it's insane um we also see that zachary levi comes in to replace josh dallas as fandral um but i think probably either most people probably didn't even notice because they actually do look weirdly alike um and then everybody else is probably saying who's fandral he's he's the buddy with the douchey goatee um that's that guy (laughs) he has a couple of lines i I do
0: think they look a lot alike Mm -hmm. i think they sound very different though
1: uh yeah I don't know I don't know I mean Fandral didn't have that much he's not really characterized he's basically just the buddy with the douchey goatee I mean that's essentially no, it's true all
0: he is. <laughs> you don't get a lot from the Warriors Three other than that they're there
1: yes exactly um so Thor the Dark World has a sixty six percent critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes um this puts it below the original Thor which had a seventy seven and way below Ragnarok which has an un fathomable, you know, at least to me, 92%, which is, we're going to have that discussion later.
0: (laughs) Also, I feel like your newfound appreciation for Thor post-Infinity War may go back and influence your uh, Ragnarok feelings. We'll see.
1: I hope it does. I hope it does. I really want to like that movie more than I do, which... Considering how little I like it, that's a low bar to to uh, jump above when we get there. Um, But anyway, The Dark World has the lowest critical rating of any MCU movie to date. So the critics did not like this movie at all.
0: I don't really think that's fair.
1: You know, honestly, I, I think I like it better than the original Thor.
0: It's definitely more interesting.
1: I think it the original is Thor.: I think it yeah. is, and there's some elements that are better, um, and uh, you know, and at least like there's a story structure that kind of makes sense. At least Thor is, you know, in the same space, battling his actual antagonist, which yeah, I appreciate. yeah. Um, so I mean, so I do kind of like that better, but you know, it's still not like super great. Right? I mean, how do you feel about this movie? Just overall impressions. Well,
0: I, I mean, I really appreciated after the Snorfest that was the first Thor that yeah. they would try and do a space opera <laughs> with Thor. Like, yeah. for real, that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. We really see that, I think, come home to roost in Infinity War. Yeah. And arguably, we'll get to it, you know, in Ragnarok. But. Yeah. But I also knew that Guardians of the Galaxy was coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know anything about it, but I knew it was coming. And I was like, so you're just going to like dip your toe in space opera while those guys are doing, yeah, you know, for real Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it was a confusing choice. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess I just feel like there are definitely some MCU movies that are, they were just okay. And they were never going to be more than just okay. Mm-hmm. And Dark World is better than just okay. Yeah, so it's weird to me that it gets the lowest rating.
1: It is, and that it it's lower little,
0: than the first one. Yeah, it's bizarre.
1: But remember how many people didn't like the Incredible Hulk, and the Incredible Hulk was a legit good story.
0: So, that's true. Yeah,
1: so I don't know. And well
0: acted. Yeah, I mean, there's no accounting for taste, right? right? Like, obviously, that's <laughs> mm-hmm. that's a thing. Yeah, but it, it just, yeah, it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel fair to me that of all the possible lowest movies that, that The this dark one. World,
1: that this one is yeah. the one at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that there, there are things that are better. I like Thor better in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I love. I mean, it takes until the middle of the movie, but I love that he's he's active, he's got a plan, he's he's basically going through this Ocean's Eleven thing, you know, like pulling this whole yes. thing together, you know, and I like that. Um, he's not stupid, he doesn't trust Loki, finally, he has learned not to trust Loki, um, between, you know, his entire life and, and the events of the Avengers, he's finally figured that out. Um, so I like that, you know, um, so I, I definitely like Thor a lot better in this movie than than, A, I remember like him because I remember like my memory of the dark world I think was really affected by my memory of, of the original Thor you know and I yeah, just I just yeah. had him painted in my head as just always the stupid one, you know. And we had a little bit of that in in Avengers. So, um, but he's not stupid, and I like that he's not stupid. I like that he's also got a little grit on him from his experiences, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so we're starting to see the Thor that eventually, when we get to Infinity War, I'm going to be completely in love with, right? But he's he's not quite there yet. <laughs> he's he's still kind yeah. of raw cookie dough at this at this stage. Um, Loki, of course is fantastic i love loki loki is always wonderful and um i adore him in this movie his scenes are the ones where i really pay attention and when i remembered this movie before i went back and watched it again you know for this um for this podcast um the thing that i remembered was loki i remembered all the loki scenes all the loki stuff and everything else i was like yeah i don't remember really what happened with that um but he was he was really great i love the scene with frigga you know where he's in oh, the yeah. oh god you know and she's you know um, a, a, an illusion for him you know she's just kind of like this hologram and in that moment I was like wait a minute that's that's Fergus' power you know and I guess it is her power is to kind of create those illusions which I think is really cool um, and that he gets it from well, her a even though she's she, tie yeah between
0: the two of them yeah it's a connection
1: know? like she must have taught him that and this is something he, she that he must used all be the time. yeah the yeah. source of that yeah yeah because I mean it's not genetic. You know, I mean, she, he's not her Literally biological can't son, be. right? Exactly. So she, so he's he's kind of like her son. You know, like like Thor is yeah. Odinson. You know, and and Loki is is Frigga's. And I think that it, it's disappointing to me with how much characterization Loki gets and how deeply and and interesting like he, the way he's he's characterized. And Frigga didn't get much you know we get a little bit we get a little bit of interest with her in this movie we get her fantastic badass moment you know where she's like so good when when they walk in right when the when malekith walks in and she just slaps him down stand down creature You may still survive this. But anyway, she is, like, completely badass. You know, she creates this hologram of a cowering Jane in the corner. Um, She stands up to this guy. She battles him, goes toe-to-toe with him. She's awesome. So we get, like, four minutes of her being completely kick-ass and wonderful. And then we kill her. Yeah. So let's let's briefly chat about
0: Frigga. Yes. Because... She is amazing what little we get of her. Yeah. And and I feel like we get even more subtle moments, like when um when Thor is introducing Jane to her. Mm-hmm. Like, we've already seen Odin is not into Jane.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah.
0: And Frigga is just pretty quiet and mm-hmm. smiling. Yeah. And Jane, who has kind of just been stomping around the place up until then, yeah. is like, oh, yeah, hi? Like, suddenly... <laughs> Oh, I'm meeting yeah. his mom. Holy cow! Yeah. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, so yeah, I love that. But then this is basically a fridging.
1: It well, it is, except for it's not like she's not killed to motivate, really. I mean, I guess it does. It motivates, you know, Odin shutting down. It motivates and it Loki. motivates Loki's revenge. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: Thor's not happy about it, but he's got other stuff going on. When he gets Loki on board, right. it's through the loss of frigga
1: right well and, and we put Jane in, in mortal danger and mortal peril you know to motivate Thor um, yeah. you know yeah. and instead of her having any agency at all in what's going on like she's dying she's got this ether in her you know yeah. she should be kind of freaked out or something or trying to do something you know but she's just sitting there passive throughout the whole thing um, which is which is why she's terrible Right? I mean, James. Oh, terrible. yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just
0: wanted to discuss. I felt like, fr- so you make a good point there. is mm-hmm. like side fridged because yes. she's not even fridged for the main protagonist. Right. She's and we fridged have this- to like do stuff to Odin and Loki.
1: Exactly. Incredible, badass, kick ass character. Who's, who's like, a big nothing up until now, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. basically, we didn't have anything for her to do aside from sit there and look at Odin, you know, in the first movie. Yeah, um, which is
0: a waste of Rene Russo. It
1: is a complete waste, and a complete waste of who this character could be, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah, I find it a little disappointing. I find the it's it's almost a more insulting fridging. It's like if you fridge a character, uh, you know, a female character to motivate the main character in that main storyline, then, Oh, you know, that's bad enough. But to, to kill somebody like Frigga, Just to, like, be this kind of, like, sidecar motivation, like, that's just insulting. Like, she deserves better than that.
0: Yeah, I agree. We deserve better. We deserve better. We deserve more
1: Frigga. There's a couple of characters I would have mind. I would not have minded being killed to motivate, or killed for any reason. Um, Jane being one of them. Jane is, okay, can we talk about how terrible Jane is now? Can I, can we do that?
0: Uh Yeah, let's because it's not great. So, yes, oh. unleash.
1: OK, Jane is the worst. All right. First of all, we have her on this date with this guy. She is a, a terrible, terrible, you know, meal companion. She's not talking to him. She's staring at anything. This has been two years. Thor has been gone for two years. She was in his company for 35 seconds in New Mexico two years ago. She's a scientist. She's out there in London. She's not doing anything. We get from Darcy that she's just been kind of moping around and not paying any attention to the science, which is the one thing that makes her interesting is her scientific curiosity and her mind. And we shut that down. Why? Because Thor kissed her two years ago. Um, That's really annoying. Then when she sees Thor again, after moping for years, she smacks him across the face. And this is the thing. Okay. I hate the the, you know, hysterical female slapping the male across the across the face. I <laughs> hate that trope so much. And then they did it again. She says, I just slapped you to find out if you're real, um, which, by the way, there are other ways you could touch his arm. That's fine. Um, then she slaps him again because he didn't call her in. OK, first of all, yes, he was in New York. But also, like, he was also battling things and then he had to take Loki back. And and also, there's this thing where, like, he could have come back. He could have gotten in touch. The Bifrost has been opened. Heimdall did something magical, made this thing happen. Everything's working again. He can get access to, to Earth. He obviously, you know, was able to do that and able to go back, you know, from Avengers. So... The fact that he didn't call her is kind of a hint for her to be like, well, I guess he's not that into me, so you move on, right? You know. They have these two characters who knew each other for half a second, who have nothing in common, have absolutely no chemistry, um moping over each other for just years and like I'm sorry but Thor if he really cared could have gone to see Jane at any time since the Bifrost was open you know he could have made a phone call during like a down moment fighting Loki and the Chitauri in you know in the Avengers like he could have done that he didn't do that there's a reason why so I don't believe any of this moping between the two of them and then when they see each other she slaps him she's awful we do get one good moment we get one good moment when she is in Asgard she's being examined on the table she's talking with the um with the scientist or with the doctor and she says is that a quantum field generator that's a quantum
0: field generator isn't it
1: it's a soul forge does the soul forge transfer molecular energy from one place to another yes So I love that moment, you know, where she's she's being scientifically curious and she's asking questions. That is the only good stuff we get from Jane. Jane is the worst.
0: Well, I'm not going to argue with very much of that. Okay, that's for damn sure. (laughs) I mean, I want it to be better because Natalie Portman, again, it's not unlike Frigga. We deserve better from Jane and from Natalie Portman.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, Natalie Portman, I think I love Natalie Portman. I think she's fantastic. I don't think that this material was... Anywhere near, like, no good enough for her, you know. I mean, it's just it was terrible material, and even a good actress, I don't know what they would do with that.
0: This, a lot of fainting, mm-hmm. you know, right. I yeah, it's tough. So, the best stuff we get from her, you're absolutely right that quantum field generator bit mm-hmm. when she starts to get excited yes. about the uh, the anomaly, yeah. In England, you know, that's the best stuff we get from her. I don't entirely understand the moping. Maybe you and I would both forgive that more if we felt like they had sold any of the love story in the first movie. Yes. You know, like if it had been some kind of love across the ages, even though it was a short time, I'd be like, well, of course they are.
1: Right. But if a guy you kissed once two years ago shows up two years later and hasn't called at that point, you don't slap him. He's just like, hey, how you doing? I, I figured you weren't into me. I moved on. Hope that's okay. You well,
0: know? Or if you're trying to have a nice romantic scene, yeah. you have her kiss him to confirm that he's real yes. and then slap him for not calling her. <laughs> right.
1: Well, yeah, but I, think, I don't know. No, it's just it's such a weird. And the slap is awful. Like we have this thing. in no, movies the slap where We is love awful. it I'm when women slap it. men. We think it's so funny <laughs> and it's so cute. And you know what? No, it's not. It's awful. And it, it's this like... I don't care if a woman is smaller than a man. Typically, you know, like generally women tend to be a little bit smaller. And so we kind of say it's okay for a woman to hit a man you know, it's not okay. It's not okay for a man to hit a woman. It's not okay for a woman to hit a man. The only time you can hit somebody is if they're hitting you, is if they're coming after you and you're in a fight because you're saving the world or whatever it is that you're, you know, but like, it's not okay to just go up and slap people. And yet this is something we see not just in this movie, but it is a classic trope, especially like romantic comedies sometimes love to do this kind of thing. And it is absolutely horrible it doesn't work and it paints you know jane as kind of a psychopath later on because she sees loki and she punches him full in the face and that's for new york like for new york when she wasn't even there right she wasn't there and i I mean i understand an attack happens on your planet you know you get pissed at the guy who does it but i'm sorry if i was in the room with some guy who had managed to unleash unholy hell all over my planet, my response would be, get him away from me. He's freaking me out. Like, I wouldn't punch him in the face. That's something, you know, on top of which, it just makes her look like a psychopath. It's a really,
0: yeah, it's a really weird beat for her. After a series of really weird beats.
1: Yeah, she is basically Um, a, a string of really weird beats.
0: Doesn't it make more sense for what little of this character we've had that instead of turning into mopey person that she would have thrown herself headlong back into the work?
1: Yes, that is exactly I mean, what it's- I would expect
0: especially if part of that work would Mm -hmm. be to reconnect with Asgard
1: could possibly yeah and she could be using that as an excuse like if they had just underplayed this a little bit if they had just played her as you know she just presumed that he wasn't into her you know that he didn't like her or whatever and maybe she's a little hurt and all that kind of stuff and she threw herself into her work and the work just happens to, to have a connection to possibly Asgard and if she was the one who found the thing I mean she's out there you know at lunch apparently she has hasn't been doing anything she's been in, she was in london because Selvig called her but darcy is the one who finds the anomaly darcy darcy is the one who finds the anomaly i mean come on you know it should be her we should open this with her finding it and thinking it may be a connection to thor then feeling dumb because she's still thinking about him but not moping you know definitely should not be moping like i mean there could be that where there's this element of her feeling hurt and feeling like he just wasn't into her and then he's like no i was it's just you know it didn't i wasn't really a good time and the bifrost was broken and you know and all of his little excuses but i don't know like just okay now hold on yeah
0: <laughs> because they don't do a great job of explaining this in this movie, yeah, I admit. yeah. but he has been very busy reimposing the peace of Asgard across nine different worlds.
1: No, sure. And that's fine. Like, but I mean, but he was on Earth for a little while. And he didn't yeah. even FaceTime. Like, come on, you can grab no. an iPhone. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if somebody like... No, you're not wrong.
0: You're not yeah. wrong about Avengers. Yeah. You're 100% right about Avengers. I, I mean, have one scene where he's leaving her a voicemail.
1: Right. Or have, or have Which... something where he decides, like... You know, or he didn't call her because, you know, he felt like this whole thing wasn't gonna work or whatever. Like it's crazy. Like I've got all this stuff to do, and I've got this, you know, grand and I'm gonna live five thousand years, you're gonna live maybe another sixty, like, you know, it's
0: just you know, all that star crossed stuff that's supposed to make us give a damn in the first place. Exactly. Maybe talk about that.
1: They could have played no. that up because that's that's not I mean, that was the one argument when, you know, Odin is, is comparing humans to goats and whatnot and not being a jerk. But there's the point where he's like She is going to die like before you're even like in in what is just a season for you. Her whole life is going to be lived. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to bring her here. You know, you want her to live here among all these people. You're going to go there like that kind of thing. There is a star-crossed element to their romance. And had they played that, it would feel better. But they just did such a terrible job, both writing this romance and characterizing, you know, Jane That it's it's just bad. And it was, you know, it was a good idea for them to just after this, just like shut the whole thing down and be like, we're going to start over. You know, yeah, (laughs) she gets mentioned, but she doesn't show up after this.
0: They're not putting the work in to make them actually make sense as a romantic couple. So why are we paying Natalie Portman prices for Natalie Portman if we're not going to give her anything to do?
1: Exactly. And let her go do work that's actually good enough for her. Like, you know, release yeah. her to do good work because she's a good actress, you know. Um, so, yeah, I just the whole thing made me nuts. And then, you know, we've got Darcy, who's, you know, funny, but in, in a different like she's I don't know. It's that goofy stuff. Like, I love I Darcy. I like Darcy. I, don't I like love what goofy she's doing. Humor.
0: Yeah. No, I don't know why it's here.
1: It's a like. different movie. Yeah, it's like it's like slapstick space opera. That's what she's in, you know, Um, so that kind of stuff. I don't um, I don't know. I, I like it. But it's just it's weird. Selvig walking around naked and being crazy and in his underwear. I'm not into humiliation comedy like it's never appealed to me, but I like Selvig. I respect Selvig. I think yeah. he's seriously badass. When he was under Loki's control in the Avengers, he still found a way to sabotage. Like that dude to have him doing this this degrading kind of comedy. I just I hate it.
0: Yeah, that's I really like the idea that as he puts it, having a god in his head
1: will mess him with off. You. Right, yeah. But could let's we, yeah. Can we do it in a way that's not de- degrading?
0: Yeah, tie that into uh, that he his head is now full of all these new ideas, and that and unpicking that and yeah. trying to make sense of it is what they've been doing since Thor left. Right. You know?
1: absolutely. You know, I think that There's that would be great. There's lots of ways. There's lots for of ways you can do it better. without it being, and you can also do it with it being touching. You know, he's like a father figure to her. Like if yeah. she's taking care of him and she's looking for an answer that might help him, you know? I mean, that could be mm, a huge yeah. motivational thing and and it would give it a little bit of an of an emotional anchor, which is something that this this movie is really missing in Jane's part of the story we get that emotional anchor with the the betrayal from Loki with you know Frigga's death and all that stuff like I think that all of that kind of plays actually fairly well in Thor's side of the story but Mm -hmm. Jane and Selvig and Darcy it's just goofy and it's it's not good it's not anchored you know in story um so so I don't know all of that stuff really really dragged the movie down for me You know, and things and there were things that I enjoyed, you know, that I really liked that I think would have been more enjoyable had they built that part of it better.
0: Yeah, I mean, we were just talking all the Asgard stuff is really great. And and Thor is kind of the right mix of. Doing the right thing, but not overjoyed about it. Like, he's clearly not the guy who enjoyed a good fight from the first movie. Right,
1: right. No, I mean, you know. he's, he's actually changed. We're seeing a character arc from him. And I have to say, like, I liked him in this movie. I I hated him so much in the first movie that when I saw this movie the first time I was like I hate that guy and I don't care about that guy you know Um, and but I really actually liked him in this movie I liked that he came up with the plan I liked that he you know he came up with this plan to um, to deceive Malekith with the fake fight with with Loki which I thought was really nice you know and we see Loki betray Thor and of course we expect him to betray Thor so when he cuts off his hand we think it's real Um, Mm -hmm. and so there's that mislead which you know which was kind of fun and kind of worked, I think, in this in this um, circumstance. Um, so I actually I really kind of liked that. You know, I like the he. You know, there's that moment where you know he uh, he kicks Loki off of the plane in flight. You know, yes, and, uh, and Loki's like, "You lied to me." I'm impressed, and I'm impressed too. I like that from Thor. You know,
0: my favorite part about Thor in this movie is that he has become. Mm-hmm. The kind of person that inspires actual loyalty. Yeah. Instead of that kind of like, let's go get in trouble frat boy stuff from the first one. Right. Like, he's convincing people to commit treason because Odin is wrong.
1: Right. I know. And like, how how dedicated he is to what he has to do. Yes. You know? I mean, yeah. I really, I like it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, including Heimdall.
1: Yeah. who. hmm
0: is not a guy who went on the frat party the first time. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. No. Yeah. He's, he's it's, getting it's, yeah I to love that along.
0: bit. And I love that he's doing some crafty thinking. Like he's clearly also learned at his mother's knee a little bit. And mm-hmm. he's, you know, not trusting Loki or only trusting Loki as far as he has to. Yes. It's really smart stuff going on with Thor and Asgard, which is. Very difficult to say after the first movie, you know. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. But yeah, everything on Earth just gets dropped like a hot rock. It's not great.
1: It's it's really super not good. Um. But you know, I have to say, like the the movie itself is incredibly beautiful. Although it does kind of look like, like if the Lord of the Rings and Star Wars had a wild night together and had a baby that was really pretty, but kind of a disappointment. Like, that's what Thor The Dark World feels like to me. It looks so Lord of the Rings. We open with that Dark Elf battle, and it feels like the Lord of the Rings. It feels like that Mm -hmm. opening, you know? And um, Asgard is looking a lot like Rivendell. Did you notice that?
0: Yeah. I Okay. So I love the way that you described this aesthetic, because especially if I knew Guardians was coming. Yes. You know? Like, finding that middle space where it's both fantasy and space opera yeah. at the same time, mm-hmm. very smart. Yeah. Like, that's going to make you look different than your Captain America movies and your Iron Man movies and look different from your upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really, I really like that. Mm-hmm. The way they did it and both your characterization of it. Yeah. Because I think, I think that's the only way to do it and maintain any kind of sense of identity in this larger universe.
1: But does not feel, it feels... Very borrowed. Like, the, the visuals feel fair. so, it calls so strongly to Lord of the Rings. And I mean, it's beautiful, but it's so strong. And then we get this Star Wars kind of, like, I don't know, what are, what are the, the the jets that Luke Skywalker flies that, like, turn sideways when there's oncoming fire? Do you know what those, are um, you Star you Wars? You may be
0: thinking of the B-Wings, Maybe. but Luke doesn't fly one, so I'm know. not sure. There's
1: somebody who flies them. I mean, you know, like, yeah, like, sure. but, you know, the ones that, like, can maneuver, they turn them sideways and they maneuver through all the. Sp- Yeah, the wing wing sort of moves
0: around the cockpit. Yeah, Yeah.
1: there's a lot of those in in Star Wars. And basically we saw a lot of that kind of same thing. But at the same time, like I understand how this. like we were talking about earlier, they had huge effects to build in no time at all. And it feels like they just kind of broke into the Lord of the Rings, kind of filed off not all the serial numbers, but one or two and then just shoved it right into um, into this movie. And it feels like a very borrowed aesthetic, almost too borrowed.
0: You know, it occurs to me that if they had done just that with purpose to Asgard yeah, and then really played up a kind of like uh, Xenomorph or Mm -hmm. H.R. Geiger approach to Mm -hmm. the Dark Elves and given us something else entirely on vanaheim i don't know what but you know something right so that then we would realize that looking very much like lord of the rings was on purpose we know what we're doing we're telling you a thing about asgard
1: exactly you know yeah no it's it's kind of interesting yeah but um
0: it's it's potentially an interesting choice but it winds up not being as interesting as we'd like it to be
1: yeah it doesn't feel as as original you know, it feels mm-hmm. very, very borrowed. Um, but but I mean, but it's beautiful. I mean, if I hadn't seen Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, I would be like blown away. <laughs> I did love the Asgardian library when Odin takes Thor yes. in there to like look at the books and the history. It was beautiful. I mean, the the pages of the books that he was, I mean, I loved all of that artwork and everything they did with that. I thought that was incredible. I like the the visual of the ether too i thought mm-hmm. that was a really effective visual and something that you know that we kind of see I, I don't really want to spoil it it's way later um in in agents of shield but we get a little something like that um that kind of has that oh. feels like it has that same engine oh no wait we did see it, it was the gravitonium remember the gravitonium and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that was it was kind of a little bit of that similar kind of visual oh that's the, really interesting the ether. yeah like yeah. the
0: gravitonium Pardon the pun. Felt like it had a little more weight. Yes. Like it had yes. a little more substance, yes. and the aether mm-hmm. f- feels more smoky, mm-hmm. sort of. But yeah. yeah
1: but it's kind of a... that same visual, you know, mechanic, and uh, and I really liked it. I thought it was it was very very cool, um, you know, and uh, and so I, I enjoyed that with the with the ether. I thought the ether was a cool thing. I thought it was a cool concept. Um, we had an antagonist who was you know flatly written. You know, I mean, was not that Mm -hmm. was not that interesting as an antagonist, but had a clear goal. You know, we knew what he was after. We knew what was going on. Um, You know, I I wish that the Jane stuff had been had been better because actually when I think about it, it's the Jane stuff that I hate and it's the Selvig stuff that I hate. Like the the stuff happening on, you know, on Asgard is pretty good. And okay, can we take just a moment to talk about Lady Sif?
0: If we must.
1: We, we must. Uh, Sif's fantastic. <laughs> I know that you
0: love Lady Sif.
1: <laughs> I love Lady Sif. But here's the thing. Like, I ship it. I ship it hard. And I don't care what you say. We have this great moment in the beginning <laughs> when they're defending the, the one planet, right?
0: I've got this completely under control. Is that why everything's on fire?
1: And he shoots her this smile right afterward. And I'm sorry. It's beautiful. There's more chemistry in that moment with Sith than there is in all of the moments with Jane put together. It's fantastic. And then, I think that we have, do we have Sith textually in love with Thor?
0: Uh, Everybody else definitely thinks that she's mooning over him since Odin talks about it in this movie. and Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. And whether she is or not, I'm not sure it's textual, but everybody sure thinks she is.
1: Well, she gives Jane that hard glare when Jane shows oh, up, yeah. which, by the way, I think is below Sif. First of all, uh, let's not be threatened by Jane in your world, she's going to be there for like, it's like a summer romance, you know <laughs> I mean? Even if they're together to the end of Jane's life, it's like you break for lunch, she's dead, and then you, you know, you help move on. Um, but, but I don't like that that sense of jealousy and possessiveness with Sif and Jane. I think that Sif's better than that. Um, And it feels very, um, I don't know, very like girl on girl misogyny that we so much love to see. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, two girls in love with the same man, they're going to have to hate each other, you know? And I mean, you know, it doesn't need to be like that. Um, But I, I love Sif. I think she's fantastic. I love her and Thor together. I think they have incredible chemistry and, um, and I ship it, I ship it, I ship it hard. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I feel about Sif the same way that I feel about the Warriors 3, mm-hmm. which is, boy, there is a lot of potential here if only this movie gave a damn about any of
1: it. Yeah, but but Sif's the best, though, out of them. Oh, yeah. And she gets yeah. the most characterization of out of them.
0: Also true. Yes. I mean, there's a place where there's a really interesting sort of love triangle mm-hmm. where, because this is what I actually think is going on with Thor. Yeah. I think Thor thinks that Sif is one of his bros. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just not he thinks she's great. Right. He's just not into her. No, it's
1: that he hasn't realized yet how into her he is, because I'm sorry if you go back to that clip and look at the way that he looks at her after she after he says, is that why everything's on fire? I rest my case. That's it. That's exhibit A, B, C and Z. That's all of them.
0: I super love (laughs) that we are saying basically the same thing with different slants because of what we think about that one scene exactly. it's really good <laughs> yeah. i yeah. like it yeah yeah no
1: it's it's good stuff i really really enjoy that so it was very fun uh, to see i'd so. be mm-hmm.
0: interested yes. in a sif thor jane kind of something i don't know
1: no um, no jane i think jane sif definitely
0: looks better than jane <laughs> yeah. because of what we get from jane
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah and i vaguely recall i i I'm. I'm not going to go deep into it because I don't remember it super well. But I know she turns up on Agents of Shield, and I remember thinking how great she was against this backdrop of other people that are nowhere near as cool as
1: her. Yeah, yeah,
0: you know, yeah. Like, but here where she's,
1: she's one of the warriors. Yeah, no, but she's. she's Why aren't they the warriors? She's still awesome. (laughs) She's still awesome. She's, you know, I no, mean, I, yeah. she's the
0: best. You're mm-hmm. not wrong. Yeah. She's the best one. She she actually saves Thor's life. Um that whole bit about it, then why is everything on fire <laughs> followed by well this one's all yours is they've got yeah. a lot of really good like bro there that it still feels like a bromance to me i think
1: because like, he doesn't realize i think that yes he's, sure. he's known her for so long and he has such a presumption about who she is that seeing her in a romantic way hasn't occurred to him yet and i think that that's fine they can tell that story later but i hope when they do it they just do it well <laughs> if they make her smack him across the face i'm gonna break into the marvel offices and have words <laughs>
0: Yeah, yes. Oh, God, that'd be the thing I'd be afraid of is they'd actually give you what you want, but not. And then ruin her. You happy. <laughs>
1: ruiner because it's a romance. And because when women are in romance, they have to be crazy. Is that what it has to be? Manic pixie dream girl? I don't know what it is. I don't know what that's about. But enough with slapping people across the face. Physical violence is not the answer. <laughs>
0: Uh, not for the romance part of a superhero movie. Most definitely
1: not necessarily, unless it's fully agreed to ahead of time and there's a safe word, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's not even what I meant. I was just pointing out superhero movies do tend to fall down to fist fights.
1: Well, yes, no, they do. They do, but not in the romance, <laughs> not in the right. romance. Yes. Um, so the other thing that, uh, that I had some questions about, and I would really love your opinion on is Odin because Odin is kind of a dick right i mean yeah he's we have this yeah. moment right in the beginning where he's talking um to loki and you know loki's being brought before him all this
0: because loki
1: desires a throne it is my birthright
0: your birthright to
1: today when he speaks to loki like that i mean i understand he's pissed right you know because loki just yeah. went down and messed with with midgard you know um But at the same time, like, it's just so assholy. And the way he talks to Thor, he calls Jane a goat. Like, there's so many things that he's just... He's such an ass in this movie. And are we supposed to see him as this heroic king? I mean, I'm not sure, like... What we're supposed to be seeing there.
0: Okay, this is uh this is gonna start to sound like Josh fixes the story corner. Okay. So No, I like that. Stop me anytime. Yeah. I think you're right mm-hmm. about how he comes across in this movie hundred and ten percent. And I think that there is a confusion, not just amongst the writers of this movie, although there is one, but also across the first couple of Thor's movies. Yeah. They aren't sure what Odin is for right because he's sort of supposed to look like wise and noble in the first one. And that's why he's punishing Thor. But then we come to this and I'm like, this is not a guy who should be telling Thor to get his business together. Yeah. You know?
1: No, cause he's and he's, he's I, such a jerk.
0: He's really the worst. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, supposedly he went all the way to Midgard, whatever, 8,000 years ago to fight a war with the frost giants to save humans. Yeah. Yeah. But then when there's one human that your son actually cares about in front of you, yeah. she's a goat. Yeah. Like, it's just not consistent at all.
1: No, it's um, really not. And the dialogue – I mean, is is real bad, and it's just like there's there's some there's some bad dialogue, but I mean, there's some great dialogue in this movie as well. Yeah, and yet Odin Odin
0: gets really bad dialogue. It's
1: it's (laughs) truly, you know, the one where he's like, "What am I, a piece of bread that I need to be buttered?" So, and I'm like, "What the hell are you even talking about?" You know,
0: go home, you cranky old man. And I didn't think that
1: Thor was ass kissing in that moment at all. He was just. Being oh, a, a little. good son, I mean, no, oh, I not think little, that A little, yeah. but in a loving way, right? Right. Like,
0: yeah. Now, okay, here's, here's the, if I had it to time machine and go back to do all over again. Yeah. The thing I would be pushing for is like make Odin the on the tin antagonist.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: To Loki and Thor and let it be a Loki and Thor buddy movie, both the first one and the second yeah. one. Yeah. Now you can split them up when Thor gets in too much trouble and the hammer goes to earth. If you have to go to the desert, I guess, you know, you can split them up. But then remember, we talked about how Loki's side of the story is almost like he's a different protagonist, Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, let's own that because you really see that come through in this one where Odin is just awful. Like, in theory, he's still strong enough that he could just go out and settle this hash. But instead, he's got. Thor and the Warriors Three and Sif, and the armies of Asgard mm-hmm. running around putting it back together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, and he's supposed um, to be not- like all powerful too. And so his presence, like the only thing, like if Odin wants something done, it's going to get done. So basically, because he has all this power and he's being so passive, like uh, Odin's response to everything is don't do anything. To everything in this. It, it really yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. It's just sit back and don't do anything, you know? Um, so he's, he's kind of functioning as this, um, this very passive kind of disapproving, but he's not actively trying to, like, stop anything from happening. He's just like, we're just going to sit here and whatever happens, happens, and we're just not going to do anything about it, you know? Um, and he was like that before Frigga died. You know, and after yep. Frigga died, there's no real change in him significantly. You know, so well, it's
0: really, it's just double down on that, right? Like he yeah. sent everybody else out to do his work. Yeah. Before Frigga died, mm-hmm. and then when Frigga dies, he's like, "That's it, works over. That's it. Dude, we're you done. have solved nothing."
1: Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I find it, I find it really weird. I could not get a read on Odin, and I wasn't sure what was going on with that just dreadful dialogue that they gave him because it yeah. was real bad.
0: Well, you got you got your too many cooks, right? Yeah. Like, Yeah, um, and that happens. I do really feel like Odin as the antagonist is a thing that sort of happened so much for two movies yeah. that somebody who was involved in this wanted that.
1: Had that in mind. Yeah, it seems yeah. that way. And it's just sort of a vestigial tale, I think, maybe from... Yep. From some of that, that story focus. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, now that I'm thinking about how many writers were on this, you know, uh-huh. if Marcus and McFeely wrote the Thor stuff, the Thor and Loki stuff, and then somebody oh, yeah. else wrote the Jane and Selvig and Darcy stuff, that would actually explain quite a bit and also serve as an exact example of why you don't want a lot of people writing this stuff.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I've written... A bunch of stuff by myself. I've written Mm -hmm. stuff with partners and I just can't imagine inheriting somebody else's mostly finished thing and then trying to also like fix it because that's, you know, that's what the studio did when they give it to you. They don't like it. So they want you to do something with it. But, you know, we paid for this. So don't throw the whole thing away. Don't throw
1: the whole thing away. You can just write the Thor stuff and skip the Darcy and, you know, or they'll say we like this. So leave it. You know, and just do this, you know, and sometimes you'll get a script and your only job is to punch up the jokes like uh-huh. that's when when they portion off a script like it's just a field that needs to be plowed and they've got like 12 people working on it at once. <laughs> it's a bad idea. That's not how story yeah. works. And um, and so they need to not do that. Definitely. Oh, but there's something we forgot to talk about that I want to talk to you about. OK, Loki's death. Right, so so-called yes. death, right? Um, instead of my so-called life, his his story is my so-called death. <laughs> um,
0: oh, I am here for that Loki spin-off movie. Exactly, my so-called death.
1: Exactly. Do yeah. do like this teen angsty Loki thing. I would love that. Um, but yeah, so so we have this moment, this heroic moment, right? He rescues Thor. The um, the guy or the big monster dude kills him with the sword that he shot through him, right? Or stabs him full through. He's there with Thor. It's this wonderful moment. He, he I'm presuming fakes his own death, but he has been like legit, you know, run through with a sword. Or is that an illusion? Or is it an illusion?
0: They're not super clear about it.
1: I don't, I don't know, but, but I mean, it makes sense. Like the fact that he would fake his own death, I think is of course he would do that. And then at the end, you know, we have this, this version of Odin, you know, who's like, who's basically like, well, a good king is hard to find because he can't get anybody to take his throne, you know? Um, he's like, I got one son who wants it too much. I got another son who doesn't want it at all. And I'm just trying to find somebody to take over the family business so that I could take your mother on a vacation. Oh, wait, your mother's dead. Somebody take over this stupid business, you know? It's, um, it's just weird. And then Thor walks away. And of course, we see that it's, it's Loki pretending to be Odin, you know? Yeah. So um so that felt like a weird note to me. And of course we're going to revisit that again, you know, later on. Um, we're not gonna just mm-hmm. sort of leave it out there. It is gonna get wrapped up. But um but it felt like a, a weird, odd note to me. But I I mean I was glad to see that Loki was alive.
0: I mean I think you're kinda nailing it is that they knew mm-hmm. That they really only had one interesting villain in the entire MCU, yeah. and we're certainly not going to kill him off in Dark World,
1: right? <laughs> we're not going to waste that. But what do
0: we do with him instead? Yeah, well, he's always wanted the throne,
1: so now he you gets know. it, and Odin is—I don't know where. I guess well, uh, Odin sleep. Who the hell knows? Um, but yeah, it's it. it we'll know eventually. Yeah, we'll know eventually. <laughs> we'll know eventually. But it—it it was weird. But I did. I was. I. I found his death moment though completely affecting. Yeah, you know? yes.
0: I mean, and again, this is a thing we'll talk about more in another film, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to go too far. But at right. the same time, Thor felt this. Yeah. Thor was not happy.
1: No, Thor was torn up by this. I mean, you know, whatever yeah. their problems have been, this is his brother. He loves him, you know?
0: And he's just lost. They just lost their mother. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's devastating. Um, Odin is distant and awful. Mm-hmm. And whether... I, this is, you're joking about the like teenage Loki thing, but I'd really like to see the Thor and Loki against the world teenage adventure thing, sure. because I believe that they feel very deeply for one another, I you know, so.
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, um, but Loki's going to be Loki. Yeah. So it is what it is, yeah. you know? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that just, that just broke Thor's heart. I like, know.
1: It he just couldn't stand
0: to lose more people and he lost yeah. his brother and it was a powerful
1: you know? moment it played really powerfully you know i thought loki was dead when i watched it the first time and i was really mm-hmm. affected by that and i thought it was great
0: yeah no i agree i mean it's and it and it does yeah it, it kind of like kind of like some of the odin stuff it it makes me think about what could have been you know if mm-hmm. they had made them more of a unit, you yeah. know, the two of them.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. um, it worked so well with almost no scaffolding of them actually ever being a team.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: I can only imagine what if there'd been, you know, one and two thirds movies worth of effort put into making Thor and Loki. Our guys, yeah, and then break them up, yeah, God, tears.
1: oh my God, seriously, you know, yeah, no, it, that could have been really, really great. Um, but I, I love I love seeing the two of them together, I think that they're great. they have incredible chemistry too. The only people who don't have chemistry is the the central romance. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about all this stuff, we've talked about the great, we've talked about the bonkers, we've talked about the really, really, really bad. um what's your favorite part?
0: My favorite part. Is much to my surprise, because I don't usually love Loki. Like, I Mm -hmm. understand why other people love Loki, but I don't always. Okay. Mm -hmm. But his part when he is trying to hide his anguish from Thor over Frigga being dead with the illusion. Yes. And that Thor immediately doesn't buy it. And Loki recognizes, like, he had to try. He's Loki.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: But it, this this would be the thing where if we were really playing up that we know each other very well, we're brothers and have, mm-hmm. you know, been broing around on adventures for 3,000 years kind yes. of thing would happen. Where it's like, we know you have to try. You're Loki. Mm-hmm. Thor knows you're Loki and he's going to see right through it. He mm-hmm. knows what their mother meant to you. you right. know? Mm-hmm. And then he just drops it right away. I, I loved that whole scene. So much.
1: Yeah. No, I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And it was so heartbreaking. And it really was like they, that vulnerability with Loki was so beautiful. And you saw that he had just destroyed everything. His foot was bleeding because he had walked in the glass. Like, yeah, it was, it was just amazing. It was so, so wonderful. And I, I love that moment. Yeah.
0: He had been as self-destructive as he possibly could be in his tiny space. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, everything but throw himself against the bars that are going to like burn him to a crisp. He Mm -hmm. had done every, you know, sort of just rage filled. I'll destroy what little I have, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Anyway, it's, yeah, I just, I, I loved that because that that's the kind of glimpses that I see where I'm like, man, that's the Loki Thor against their authoritarian dad.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, that I would like Mm -hmm.
0: to have seen over the course of a couple of movies.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. No, I mean, and I I love Loki. I'm a huge fan, and I thought that that was fantastic. And my favorite moment, of course, is a Loki moment, too. I (laughs) love Loki as Cap. (laughs) Given that you seem to like them so much. Oh, this is much better. Whoa. Costume's a bit much. So tight. But the confidence... Feel the
0: righteousness surging. Hey, wanna have a rousing discussion about truth, honor, patriotism? God bless them!
1: I love it.
0: It's so good.
1: I can feel the righteousness. Like, it's just it's so fantastic and it's so fun and it's so bouncy. And the thing is, in the other, you know, they have this whole sequence where Loki is is pretending to be, I think, I think Fandral. I don't remember one of the warriors or whatever. He's then just like
0: he, a random Asgardian. Yeah. yeah.
1: He changes uh, Thor into Sif. You know, And Thor, of course, has none of it. But, but the thing is, it's Loki's voice coming from the the rando warrior. It's Thor's voice coming from Sith. But uh-huh. when he turns into Cap, I don't know if that's Tom Hiddleston doing Cap or if that's actually Chris Evans. But Chris Evans in this is just fantastic. He's such a sport. I love the way he played it. Um, and the voice acting was hilarious. But I don't know if it was Chris Evans because he was doing that American accent. So I don't know if it was Tom Hiddleston doing cap or if it was Chris Evans doing Loki doing cap. But it was pretty sure
0: that was Chris Evans. Yeah. And this is going back to low these many years when I saw him as the human torch in the first terrible Fantastic Four and was like, who is this talentless hack? You know, (laughs) and now he's so great. He's so great that he can play somebody else playing a character he plays badly yes it's delightful it is
1: it is it was so fun
0: if you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in come find us on twitter i'm at joshua unruh and lonnie is at lonnie diane rich And the hashtag is Listen Up A-Holes. Yes,
1: this episode of Listen Up A-Holes was brought to you by Chipperish Media producer Sarah from San Francisco. Sarah supports Chipperish Media at the power producer level and asks for only one thing in return, a good seat from which to watch Asgard burn. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you to everyone who supports Chipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions and makes Listen Up A-Holes a thing. To find
0: out how you too can become a Listen Up A-Holes producer, visit the Patreon links in the show notes. Producer-level support options are available at both Pulp Diction Productions and Chipperish Media.
1: Yes, you can also show your support by leaving a great review on Apple Podcasts to make it easier for more people to find us and join in the conversation. Links are in the show notes.
0: Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Listen Up A-Holes. We'll be back next time with our discussion of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1, Episodes 8-11. through Until next time, we know, we know, if we betray Thor, you'll kill us. Evidently, there will be a line. Also recording an audacity for best quality funny things. When I inevitably screw up the intro.
1: Oh, I think you're going to do just fine. I have faith in you.
0: <laughs>
1: so I always sound sarcastic when I'm not. I swear to God. Your
0: sincere voice sounds not serious. Yeah, My sincere voice
1: it. does not sound sincere. I know. It's very bad. <laughs> All right. Here. How about this? Joshua, I have faith in you. Does that still sound That was definitely better. This
0: is definitely better. Okay, All right. good.
1: <laughs>